Hello, people of Mission Liberty Hill, and thank you so much for joining us for online worship today. We're glad that you've come, and we pray that this time will be a great blessing for you. We had a wonderful turnout for online worship last week. It was really an amazing turnout. We saw 40% increase in our attendance last Sunday through online worship in comparison to what we usually have here on Sunday morning, and so many of you uh, communicated to us how blessed you were by online worship. We're thanking God for the great good that He's bringing out of these challenging times that we're in. Before we step into the Word of God today, I'd like to give you just an encouragement about continuing to connect with one another in the Mission Liberty Hill family. So I want to ask each one of you to please take time throughout the week to uh, open and to read three regular emails that you'll be receiving each week during this time. The first email will be on Monday, and it's our prayer warriors update. We believe that God is calling us to prayer during these days. And I want to encourage you to take that prayer update, use it each day to be in prayer. Many of us are at home more, so hopefully we have more time to be spending in prayer. And send in your prayer needs to our church office so that we can add those to our Monday prayer update. The second email that you'll be receiving comes on Wednesday, and it's our church's weekly newsletter. In that newsletter, you'll always find a encouraging and inspirational word from me. There'll be some wonderful uh, resources for you and for your family that will help you go through uh, this time of the coronavirus outbreak. And then the third email comes on Saturday, and that's your invitation to online worship. And again, we ask you to take that email and forward it to your family and friends and invite them to uh, join with you in worshiping the Lord through online worship at Mission Liberty Hill. And don't forget our church's Facebook page. We uh, have uh, posts that we add on each week. And of course, there's nothing like a phone call, a text, an email to uh, somebody in your church family just to encourage them in their walk with Christ and in the challenges they're facing these days. We're a family of faith, and I am so grateful for the way that you are endeavoring to be a family to one another. Keep it up with the help of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's bow for a word of prayer, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for what we read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, which says, the prophetic word was confirmed to us we will do well to keep focusing on it. It's the one light you have in a dark time as you wait for the daybreak and the rising of the morning star in your heart. Jesus, you are our morning star. Please rise upon our hearts, our minds, our lives, and our life together as you shine the light of your word upon us right now. We want to focus on you today by focusing on your word. Help us to do this now and throughout the week ahead. In your name we pray, amen and amen. 
peace. Throughout the ages and throughout the world, people have longed for peace. Over the years, there's been a lot of talk about peace as people have talked about peace in our time or win the peace or keep the peace or give peace a chance or inner peace or peaceful coexistence or the peace process. But in spite of all this talk about peace, it seems like the world and its people are no closer to peace. So when someone comes up to you and says, peace, there may be part of you that just wants to roll your eyes and say, yeah, right. Since early February, we as a church have been in a message series where we're following Jesus in his journey to the cross and the empty tomb. And we're seeing how in that journey, Jesus displayed the fruit of the Spirit, those Christ-like attitudes of the heart coming from Christ's gift of the Holy Spirit, resulting in Christ-like actions in life. And we've learned that there are nine fruit of the Spirit that are cataloged in the Bible in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Take out your message notes, and we encourage you to print off your message notes if you can before worship. You'll find them as the last few pages on your worship folder, your online folder. Get those notes and look at what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says on those notes. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And as followers of Jesus, it is possible for us to see each and every one of these fruit of the Spirit manifested in our life and in our relationships. Because when we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have the Holy Spirit and His power living within us. So we have followed Jesus from the Last Supper in the upper room when he displayed to his disciples the fruit of the Spirit of kindness, to his washing of the disciples' feet where he displayed gentleness, to the Garden of Gethsemane where he displayed patience, to the betrayal of his disciples where he displayed faithfulness, to the evil of Caiaphas and the ruling council where Christ displayed goodness, and then to his encounter with Peter in the courtyard where Jesus displayed the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. Next Sunday, Palm Sunday, we're going to follow Jesus to the cross where we see him display the fruit of the Spirit of love. And then on Easter Sunday, we'll see the fruit of the Spirit of joy as we celebrate Christ's triumphant resurrection at the empty tomb. But today, we're going to journey with Christ to His appearance before Pontius Pilate, and we're going to learn about the fruit of the Spirit called peace. What is peace? Well, the New Testament word for peace is the Greek word irene. 
And the meaning of erene is best captured in the Old Testament word for peace, the Hebrew word shalom. And here's what peace, this fruit of the spirit of peace, erene, shalom, uh, means. Here's a definition of it for you. You can see it on your notes. Peace is a condition of God-given wholeness and security resulting in a sense of confidence, contentment, and fulfillment. That's peace. And in the truest sense, real peace is a state or condition of the heart. And now you know why this world and its people in it are no closer to peace than they were a hundred years ago. Because as President Herbert Hoover once said, the peace that mankind longs for is not made at the treaty table, it's made in the heart. Peace is a God-given condition of wholeness and security, resulting in a sense of confidence, contentment, and fulfillment. And surely, most of us, given what we're facing these days, would say, I'll take some of that. So where do you find peace? Answer, this peace is found in Jesus Christ. Let's turn our attention to the next stop in Christ's journey to the cross, his appearance before Pontius Pilate. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible now to Matthew chapter 27. I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you to online worship. And if you forgot your Bible to bring it, just pause the video right now, go get your Bible, and then bring it back because you'll get the most out of this message if you can have a Bible in front of you. Matthew chapter 27 is where we're going to look. And today, we're going to look at verses 1 to 26 of Matthew chapter 27. Notice the lack of peace you see in these verses, starting with verse 1. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it is called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 silver coins, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, Pilate, 
And the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom at the, pre, at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. When Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the people to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. They all shouted the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Not much peace going on here, wouldn't you say? Instead, we see the chief priests and the elders scrambling to pass Jesus on to Pilate. We see Judas filled with turmoil and regret at betraying Jesus. We see the crowd whipped into a frenzy, angry and fear-filled. We see Pilate trying to manipulate the crowd and Pilate's wife terrified by a dream. Not much peace, not much God-given wholeness and security resulting in a sense of contentment, confidence, and fulfillment. But in the eye of the storm, we see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we see peace. Look again at verse 14 in your Bible where we read this. But Pilate made no reply, but Jesus made no reply, not to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. That's peace right there, the eye in the middle of the storm. So let's focus for a few minutes on the peace that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, gives. And I want to share you, share with you the kind of peace, the kind of arene, shalom, that Jesus gives. And actually, there are four kinds of peace. They are kind of like the links in this chain, 
One leads to the other, to the other, to the other. And the first kind of peace that Jesus gives is the most important peace of all. All the other kinds of peace flow from this first kind of peace that Jesus gives. And you can write it on your notes. It's peace with God. Peace with God. St. Augustine said this, I find no peace, O Lord, until I find my peace in Thee. Jesus Christ is the one who gives us peace with God, our Father in heaven. This is how Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 say it on your notes. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight through faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Through faith, Christ has brought us to this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. And what did Jesus do that gives us this peace with God? He shed his blood for us upon a cross so that we could be cleansed and forgiven of our sin. And by doing that, he tore down the dividing wall between us and God so that we could have life with God and peace with God today and forever. That's peace with God. Years ago when I was a young pastor, I frequently visited an elderly man who was very ill. He had an extremely painful illness, and it was debilitating and slowly but surely taking his life. And I remember once when I visited him, I asked him this question, how are you doing with the pain? And I'll never forget the way he answered that question. With his hands, he pointed heavenward and then pointed at his hands and then pointed at himself. And here's what he said to me in, my in his response to my question, how are you doing with the pain? He said, speaking of Jesus, he took the pain so that I could have the peace. And that's peace with God. My friend, you entered into this world a sinner at war with God. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the Word of God, you can trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You can stop trusting in anything that you have done to make you right with God. And you can trust in Jesus alone and the price He paid for you at the cross so that you can be reconciled and made one and have peace with God again. Let me ask you, do you long for that kind of peace today? Come to Jesus. Give yourself by faith to Jesus. Give your life to Him. And you will discover that in Christ, you are a fully forgiven, deeply loved, greatly cherished child of God. I found no peace, O Lord, until I found my peace in Thee. This is the most important peace of all. It's the peace from which 
all other kinds of peace flow, it's the peace that Jesus gives, peace with God. And when you have peace with God, then you can have the second peace that Jesus gives. It's peace with yourself. Sometimes a man or woman will accept Christ as their Savior by spirit-given faith, but they won't accept themselves in Christ because of wrongs done in the past, because of struggles or shortcomings they see in their life today. They struggle to accept themselves in Christ, but Jesus can give you peace with yourself. This is the promise Jesus made in John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. Look at that scripture if you have your notes. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. You can have peace with yourself because Jesus gives what the world doesn't give. When the world says to you that you are a loser, Christ within you says that in him you are a winner. When the world around you says that you are a bum, Christ within you says that in him you are his bride. When the world around you says that you are worthless, Christ within you says that in him you are worthy. When this world around you says that you are nobody, Christ within you says that you are somebody. And when this world around you says that you are nothing to God, Christ within you says that in him you are everything to God. This is your position of highest privilege. And when you know this, you can have that peace with yourself that only Jesus can give. And when you have peace with God and peace with yourself, then you can have the third kind of peace that only Jesus can give. And how we need this peace today, it's peace with your circumstances. You know, the tug and pull of life these days with all the changes and adjustments and losses that we may be experiencing right now, it can cause us to wonder if living in consistent, abiding peace moment by moment is really possible for us. We can start to feel like the pastor was walking down a street one day and someone came up to him and said to him, Pastor, where can I find perfect peace? And the pastor pointed across the street to a park. Over that park was a sign that said Sacred Heart Cemetery. And the pastor said to the man, there, right there, in there, that's the only place you'll find perfect peace because as long as you are alive, you will have problems. Well, it's true that as long as you are alive, you will have problems, but Jesus tells us that you can also have his peace amid the problems. You really can. Remember the promise that he made to you 
in John 16.33. That promise from Scripture that we looked at last week. I'd encourage you to commit it to memory. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When you have peace with God and peace with yourself, you can have peace with your circumstances because you know that Christ lives within you. You know that you are sheltered under the wings of his love, that you are safe and secure in him, that all of your needs are supplied by him, that no weapon formed against you can prosper, and that God is for you. So what or who can be against you? Somebody once showed me a picture of a painting. I was struck by this painting. It was a painting of a waterfall, and it was a roaring, raging waterfall. It was so vibrant on this picture that you could almost hear the thundering sound of the waterfall. And if you looked closely at the picture, in the midst of that waterfall, you found a nest tucked inside the cleft of a rock, and there was a bird quietly sitting on the nest amid the raging waters of the waterfall. At the bottom of the picture, there was a label, just one word title for that picture, and the title was peace. That's the kind of peace with your circumstances that Jesus Christ can give to you. We've seen this in the past week here at Mission Liberty Hill as two dear sisters in Christ, part of our church family, traveled home to their heavenly home. Carol Coleman, Kim Collier, are now home with the Lord in heaven. And it was not an easy journey that they went through in the closing days of their life. But God gave them peace every step of the way. Kim Collier, a devoted wife to her husband, Ricky, a devoted mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, not bad for being in your mid-60s. Kim loved her family and constantly was praying for her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, that they would walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. And she loved to serve the Lord. She served the Lord very quietly, humbly here at Mission Liberty Hill. But she made a difference. If you ever got a card uh, from the church or an email welcoming you for the first time that you visited or if you've been gone for a few Sundays, someone reached out to you, you can thank Kim Collier for that because Kim would often, would always sit in the back and would just kind of note the people that were here in church and make an effort to meet those who weren't so that we knew who was here and who wasn't able to be here. Carol Coleman Carol was a, a doctor's wife, married to Dr. Ed for many years. And uh, Ed and I, in recent months, we've talked a lot about um, the gift that both of us have with our wives. You know, pastors and doctors live very similar lives, uh, long hours, um, no real firm schedule. You're called to places in the middle of a, the night. And uh, it takes a unique woman to be the wife of uh, a pastor and of a doctor. It takes a strong woman. And I was blessed with that. And 
Ed knows how he was blessed with Carol. Carol was a strong woman, and she loved her family a great deal. She loved her husband, her children, her grandchildren. She wanted the best for them. She loved uh, her sister and brother a great deal, too. And Carol served the Lord here in this place. You know, for the entire history of Mission Liberty Hill, Carol kind of recorded financial things for us. She served as our financial secretary for, for many, many years and did that until just a few months ago. And she loved to serve the Lord. It was a wonderful thing to watch Kim and Carol walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It was hard, and it was painful for them. But they knew they had a Savior who took the pain so they could have the peace. And that enabled them to not only live well, but to die well. That's peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with your circumstances. Now more than ever, we need that kind of peace in our world. Because in the midst of the coronavirus, you see so many people living in panic instead of in peace, living with fear instead of living with faith. People are just grasping at straws right now. You see it all around you. On my computer, I found this week an online calculator that enables you to calculate just how long your supply of toilet paper is going to last. I couldn't resist. I typed in, first of all, the number of rolls that Donna and I have. We took time to count them. And then there were several other data points you needed to enter, and that had to do with the way you use toilet paper. I won't get into the details about that. But after you entered all that data, you just kind of clicked the button, and up came the exact number of days that your supply of toilet paper would last. Donna and I found out that our toilet paper supply will last for 187 days. So, mark it on your calendar. If you get a phone call from Pastor Mike 188 days from now, you'll know why I'm calling. This is just grasping at straws. And these things will never give you the peace with your circumstances that you need. Only Jesus can do that when he gives you peace with God, peace with yourself. Then comes peace with your circumstances. And the best way to appropriate this peace with your circumstances on a consistent basis is through prayer. Look at your notes at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's why God wants you to be a man or woman of prayer. That's why God is calling us as a church to be a house of prayer for all people. Because when we are people of prayer, we will have peace with our circumstances. Peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with your circumstances. And that brings us to the fourth peace that Jesus gives. 
it's peace with others. I'll tell you why some people never seem to have much peace with other people. While they're in conflict with one another, with other people, why they're constantly negative and grumbling and complaining about other people, why they're unhappy in their relationships, it's because they don't have one or more of the other links or kinds of peace in the chain of peace. They don't have peace with God or peace with themselves or peace with their circumstances, so they don't have peace with other people. We sure see this today. My wife Donna and I, we live in Sun City. It's a large community, almost 8,000 homes of senior citizens. And uh, I um, belong to an online community in, in Sun City called Neighborhood. It's an app that you can get, and you can go online, and every day people post things. And it's, 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 a, it's a good thing to get information and uh, to find out what's going on in the community. Uh, it's, it's an enjoyable thing to use, and I typically check it every morning. Since the outbreak of the coronavirus, this neighborhood blog has been filled with so much sniping and arguing and rumbling and complaining against one another, tacking each other. It's just terrible. And what is it? It's no peace with others because people aren't having peace with their circumstances, peace with themselves, or peace with God. But when you have shalom, when you have erene, when you have this God-given Wholeness and security, resulting in a sense of confidence, contentment, and fulfillment in Christ. When you have peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with others, you can have and you will have peace with your circumstances. Because this kind of peace is not the result of something man-made. It's not the result of having a big enough supply of toilet paper. It is the result of having a Christ-redeemed, Christ-upheld, Christ-controlled heart and life. Speaking of Jesus, Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through His blood, shed on the cross. And that's when we, in our personal lives and in our life together as a church, can be instruments of Christ peace in this world today, where we can, as a church, be a welcoming, faith-filled family bringing Christ to our community and world. Peace it's not what the world thinks it is. It is so much more than that. It's peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with your circumstances, and peace with others. Got any broken links in the chain of your life? Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. Pray in this peace. Live in this peace. 
walk in this peace. Trust in Christ, and this peace will be yours. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today we look to you and trust in you as our Savior from sin and as our Prince of Peace. We stop trusting in anything we have done, anything we have to bring us peace, and we look to you. You are our God of great faithfulness through all times and all seasons of life. You give strength for today, and we receive your strength right now. You give bright hope for tomorrow, and we welcome your hope right now. You give peace that endures, and by faith, we take your peace, and we will walk in it during this, these difficult days. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the peace with God we have in you. Now we look to you to faithfully grow our peace with ourselves, our peace with our circumstances, and our peace with others. We place our life from beginning to end in your hands because you took the pain. We have the peace. In your name, the name above all names, we pray. And if that's your prayer, say aloud, amen. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give to you his peace. And let's join together in singing our closing song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. <laughs>